You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tell It As It Is podcast. I am your host, Griffin Youngs. This is episode 39 on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. And all you have to do is pick one team to win their next game, and if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three-pointer, you will bring home $100 in free bets. That is 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. And they don't even need to win the game. And no, it's not a select group of teams. It is every single team. You pick one, all they've got to do is hit one three-pointer. It's essentially just free money. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets If the basketball team of your choosing hits a three, that's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So this episode's going to be a little different as I'm recording it right now. It is currently Wednesday, 8 o'clock Eastern time before the Avalanche's game against the Golden Knights, but I feel like this is an important enough game that I need to at least have some kind of immediate reaction to it. So this is going to be a two-parter, where we talk about the Avalanche's last game against the St. Louis Blues that did not go very well, and all the other things that have happened in the last few days. And then, once the game against Vegas wraps up, for better or worse, I will be back to discuss how that game went. But first and foremost, the Avalanche finish their season series against the St. Louis Blues. And this one was not pretty again. This one was far worse than the previous loss as the Avalanche lose again to the St. Louis Blues in their final matchup by a final of 4-1. to And this game was a mess from puck drop to finish. Blues jump out to an early 2-0 lead in the first period and... The Avalanche just looked disinterested, for lack of a better word, and it started all the way at the top, and it worked its way down into the lineup. Nathan McKinnon had an uncharacteristically terrible first period. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Nathan McKinnon play that poorly ever in my life. He looked just like he wanted to be anywhere else but there. The second goal for the Blues by Braden Shen... He just lets him march into the zone. Landeskog tries to make up for it. He can't get there in time, and Shen has a wide-open one-timer to put the Blues up 2 to nothing. Then, at the end of the period, this was where it really struck me. The Avalanche have a power play at the end of the period, and McKinnon tries to make a deke in the offensive zone, loses it pretty easily, I may add, and just kind of watches it happen. And as the Blues take it, he just kind of puts his his hands on his knees and just that was all he had for that play. Just I I had never seen anything like that from him before. And this game like it just didn't get better as time went on. 
I mean, you look at the the box score, the Avalanche outshoot them 32-20, to 20, but don't let the box score fool you in this game. The Blues were in complete control from start to finish. This was not a case of getting goalied. This was not a case of Jonas Johansson, who got the start in this game, playing badly, even though it might look bad for four goals on 20 shots. He was really left out to dry in this one. He was given some very very poor opportunities to make saves and when they gave him a chance to make saves ultimately he did but this was just a bad performance all around and I'm not panicking I'm not angry I'm just disappointed I was very disappointed at that performance you know and there's there's all the like well Rantanen's out and Grubauer's not back yet and we're digging into our depth I mean and that's all well and good and everything and that's all true However, what I saw out there is not reflective of we're missing some people. It was a team that really didn't look like they wanted to be there that badly. And those are two very distinct things. Like, you can just be outgunned and just you're playing Martin Kaut in his fourth game of the season or Carl Soderberg's just not adjusted to the team yet and he's not looking so hot, or Nazem Kadri's in a funk right now and not looking good. It wasn't that. It was that St. Louis is desperate and hungry for points and we're skating harder than the Avalanche. And I hate describing games like that, but that's just how it looked from start to finish. Poor defensive coverage all around on essentially every single goal and... It looks essentially bad on the star players on this team in this game. They looked the worst. Nathan McKinnon, I believe the top line was on the ice for three of these goals. And I believe the one they weren't on the ice for was the power play goal by Tarasenko to open the game. The rest, Braden Shen's goal was a direct result of Nathan McKinnon. David Perron was left just completely unchecked in front of the net, deflecting a Justin Falk shot from the point. I believe that was Kale McCarr, who did not push him out of the way. And Robert Thomas, with his second goal of the season, just no one really trying to stop him there. And he hit a post just a few minutes earlier on a breakaway. And this is a stat line from the game that ultimately concerned me. The Blues blocked 22 shots in this game, the Avalanche blocked four. Now, I know that's just looking at numbers, and that doesn't tell the whole story, but when you're looking at four block shots versus 22, you can kind of make a fair estimation as to what team is showing up in that game to get two points out of it. The Avalanche have not gotten a point since they clinched a playoff spot. And granted, those two games are against the Blues, but those games looked sloppy, poor defensive coverage, the Stars not looking the way they need to. Now, I will cut Nathan McKinnon some slack because he scored the lone goal in this game on the power play about halfway through the second period to make it 3-1, to one, assisted by Landis Gog and Burakovsky. So, gets a little bit of slack there, but this was a rough game for them. Like, you look at every star on this team that you would even consider a star. Nathan McKinnon, absolutely a star. One goal, he was a minus three. And I don't put stock into plus minus, but when there are no other players on your offense with minuses other than your top line, that's a, that's a little, like, oh, that's bad. That tells a little bit of a story there. And Kale McCarr, a minus three in this one as well. Obviously, no Rantanen. He's not back yet. And maybe having Rantanen back would help in this one. Maybe having Grubauer back would help in this one. But it's it's not a matter of being shorthanded. It was just a matter of not really showing up to play, not showing up on time, and not having enough intensity to get back in this game. And the best players were flat out not good enough tonight. I don't know if they were sick of playing the Blues. This was the third time in a row that they've played them and the sixth time that they've played them this month. Yeah, six of the eight games came this month. And 
I don't know. I don't. I can't really pinpoint what the problem was in this one. Again, I'm not panicking. I'm not saying this team sucks. I'm not saying that all of a sudden that they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm just saying that it's too late in the season for performances like that. Yes, it's late in the season. Yes, you've clinched a playoff spot, but the work is not done yet. We're not finished here yet because now we're kind of in a little bit of a precarious position. We talked about it last episode. Vegas is on a nine-game winning streak. They are coming fresh into this matchup against the Avalanche coming up in a little bit. They've had three days of rest, I believe. The Avalanche have one game in hand on them, and Vegas is four points ahead. So all of a sudden, a loss in this game, honest or just poor effort on the Avalanche's part, no matter if they lose this game, they will be six points behind them all of a sudden with one game in hand. And now Minnesota, as we speak, is beating the St. Louis Blues 3-1 to one in the third period. And if they win this game and the Avalanche lose tonight, the Wild will jump the Avalanche into second place in the West. Now, the Avalanche will still have a game in hand on them, and it will be 67-66. to 66. However, it is too late in the season for this to be a concern. So, it's not the losses, it's, it's not the actual losses to St. Louis that bother me. Because you look at the big picture, and we've talked about this, the team in their last 22 games is now 18-3-2, two, two of those regulation losses in their last two games. I just wasn't pleased with the effort. I don't think anyone was, and I don't think anyone's panicking. It j- they just seemed unprepared for the game. And know what? That happens. But there is still a bright side to this. Let's say that they still lose tonight to Vegas. Let's just say that happens. After tonight, Colorado's remaining schedule is four games in a row against the Sharks, two games against the Kings, one game against Vegas, and two games against the Kings. They have one tough coin flip game left. The rest, they should win. Now, Vegas is coming off of a nine-game winning streak where they completely destroyed all of the inferior teams in this division. They feasted on the Coyotes, the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks alike. They did not play any of St. Louis, Minnesota, or Colorado in this stretch. They played all of the inferior teams, and they they won all the games, as they should this late in the season when they should be firing. The Avalanche should do just the same. Vegas, on the other hand, they have two games against Colorado, including one against tonight, and two games against Minnesota, and two games against the Blues. And one game against the Sharks, two games against the Coyotes. So there's three wins left that are basically put them down in Sharpie, the Golden Knights are winning the game. The rest of them, toss-ups. We'll see how it goes for the first matchup against the Avalanche tonight, and we'll talk more about it after the game. But Minnesota has been a tough out for Vegas this year. They have taken it to them, especially, I believe, in their last four matchups. I believe Minnesota's won three of the last four. I don't have that in front of me. But from what I remember, I think that's true. And St. Louis is playing better as of late, as we've seen firsthand. So those are going to be tough games for them as well. So it's going to be, it's the Avalanche, they have the advantage in terms of strength of schedule. But. This is the second most important game remaining on the season and the second most important game you've had this season. This is really where you're going to see how the Avalanche respond because now we, we were riding that roller coaster for so long. It was just pure up, 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 up. And it didn't seem like the ride was going to end anytime soon. Now we're at the bottom. Now we're missing people. We've got Kiefer Sherwood starting on the third line for tonight. Let's just look at the guys not around. I haven't even mentioned this because it completely slipped my mind. Brandon Saad is injured and is going to be missing two to four weeks with a lower body injury. And that is troublesome, to say the least. So you look at the people that are missing for this team right now. You have Brandon Saad, Jonas Donskoy, Miko Rantanen, 
Jacob McDonald is now week to week as well. Philip Grubauer, and you have Matt Calvert, Logan O'Connor, Eric Johnson, and Pavel Francouz. You look at how they've played recently, not so great. Two straight losses against the Blues, and now they are marching into Las Vegas to play a rested Golden Knights team that is riding as hot as can be right now on their best stretch of the season, and they're going to have fresh legs in this one while the Avalanche don't. If the Avalanche come out with a win in this game, I will never doubt this team again. That would be the most impressive win of the season, bar none, blows everything else out of the water. There wouldn't even be a close second. No other wins against Vegas, no other wins, no like blowout wins from the past. This would be the most impressive, whether it's in overtime or eight to nothing or in a shootout. This isn't. This would be impressive because you look at the top line: Landeskog, McKinnon, Burakovsky. Second line, things look a little more dicey. Tyson Jost, Nazem Kadri, Val Nichushkin. However, that is much better than it was the last two games. I like this a lot better. I didn't like having Comfer on the second line. I didn't like having Soderberg on the second line. Nachushkin and Jost deserve those top six minutes with the way the lineup is right now. You get to the third line. Now you see, okay, we are getting a little desperate. Carl Soderberg, JT Comfer, and Kiefer Sherwood. That is not what you want right now to say the least. That is not really anyone who's performed this season. Comfer is 6 goals, 6 assists, 12 points. Better as of late for the last month and a half, he's been better. Carl Soderberg, I, I really can't tell you a thing that he's done since we've traded for him. And I'm not one to make judgments this early in a trade, so I have nothing to say like, oh, it's a bad trade. No, it's not. It's a good trade. It, would you rather have Carl Soderberg or would you rather have Liam O'Brien on your third line? Or would you rather have Mika Salamaki up here? I mean, there's just no winning sometimes. You're, you'd need someone else up here. You might have Jason Megna on your fourth line right now if you didn't trade for Carl Soderberg. But Soderberg, Comfer, Sherwood, I'm not expecting a lot out of that line tonight. Fourth line, Liam O'Brien, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, and Martin Kaut. Liam O'Brien, I think, is getting a much longer stay in this lineup than anyone anticipated coming in to, well, when we signed him a little while ago. He's played 11 games. He's got three assists, which is a little surprising. But you got to think when this lineup gets healthy, he's going down. And another thing, Logan O'Connor is now week to week and on injured reserve. And seemed like he was going to be coming back soon. And they said he suffered a setback. And again, and here's another one. Here's another one I completely forgot to mention. Bo Byram also suffered a setback. The Avalanche lead the league in setbacks completely. Bar none, they lead the league in setbacks. How many other teams have to deal with this many setbacks? I've never seen teams just proclaim, oh, he had a setback. Oh, he's now he's out more time. Again, I don't know what it is. There is no indication that it is the training staff. This just seems like rotten case after rotten case of bad luck. But at a certain point, what the hell is going on? Both of them suffered setbacks. And Byram and O'Connor suffer setbacks at the same time. And this has happened in the past too. What's ha- I don't know what's going on there. As, and I don't think we'll ever know, but looking at it right now, things are looking rough against a Vegas team that is burning hot right now. The defense is looking okay. I mean, you've got Devontae's and Sam Gerrard, Ryan Graves, Kale McCarr, Patrick Nemeth, Connor Timmons. That's perfectly fine. There's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, Byram's not going to make or break this team, whether he's in the lineup or not. He's still developing. It's a shame he's not going to be able to play. But Eric Johnson, he's probably not going to be back until probably deeper into the playoffs, at earliest the second round. So this might just be your defense for a little while now. Nemeth is has been a little rough so far. He's taken a lot of penalties, and he was supposed to be our guy that's taking Taze, Gerard, and McCarr off of the penalty kill. That just hasn't worked the way anyone's envisioned it right now, but... 
this is the last game we'll have to deal with some of this because next game, Rantanen comes back, Grubauer comes back, Donskoy comes back, and now that's two more players in your top six and your starting goalie. And then you have eight of nine games against the Sharks and Kings. So things after this game against Vegas are going to start to seem a little easier. They have some time to get their heads on straight and perfect themselves coming into the postseason, and they still have one more playoff tune-up game against Vegas. So we'll see how tonight's game against Vegas goes. I'm not overly optimistic. I believe that they can win just because they're a very good team, but the top guys need to show up. First and foremost, Landeskog, McKinnon, Burakovsky, Makar, Gerard, Taze need to have outstanding nights, all of them. This can't be Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Val Nachushkin score goals and McKinnon, Landeskog, Makar are minus two. This needs to be a big night from the Stars. So, we'll see how it goes. I have confidence in them. I have no reason to not have confidence in them. I'll put it like that. They've played very, very well lately. And I'll be back to talk about it once this game concludes. And hopefully, they'll come out with a win. I think they will. They've, they just need to show up. My, my thing has always been the only team that can beat the Avalanche is themselves. And last two games against St. Louis... They have shown that absolutely. So they need to show up tonight, every single one of them, step up because you're missing people. There's no excuses still. You're still a good team. You're playing a good team. There's no reason not to come to the rink motivated, even if they lose. But if they put forth an honest effort and just get outgunned by a healthy Vegas squad right now, or at least I think they're healthy, I'm not entirely certain of that, but... I will quickly check coming into the game. I don't. I haven't heard of any huge injuries. Petrangelo's back, and who's hurt right now for them? Ryan. Re- oh no, Ryan Reeves is hurt, so they're they're fine. Vegas is going to be just fine. Riley Smith might not play. Keegan Colzar might not play. So we'll see. I think th- I think it's going to be a good game regardless. I think if you can beat them, you put yourself in a very good spot. You're two points behind them. With another game against them later in the season, you still have that game in hand. But if you lose tonight, you're six points behind, and you basically have to go... Yeah, you basically have to win out the rest of the way. You can't lose the game against Vegas. You can really only afford to drop maybe one game against the Sharks and Kings, but that's it. After that, you really just have to run through the rest of the schedule the rest of the way. So we'll see how it goes tonight. I will talk to you guys again once the game has concluded. And let's hear some words from some of our other amazing shows on the Hockey Podcast Network in the meantime. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next year? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. And we are back. Game has gone final just now as I hit record. The Avalanche lose 5-2. to two to the Vegas Golden Knights, and let's just get it right out of the way. That was the worst goaltending performance I have ever seen in my entire life from Devin Dubnik. That is not hyperbole. That is not an exaggeration. That was fucking terrible. Absolutely awful. I never want to see that man in the net again. Not purely because of just how bad it was, how effortless it was how lifeless it was. All four of the goals that Devin Dubnik allowed tonight should have been stopped. Every single one of them. Fifth goal, an empty netter. 
because they pulled him with four minutes to go because it's better to literally not have him in the net and just get an extra skater for four minutes and maybe have a better chance that way because that was unbelievable. That was shocking. Literally from puck drop, Devin Dubnik blew this entire game. I'm not one to pin games on one person, but in this instance, I will 100% make an exception because this was Devin Dubnik's fault. 100% through and through. The Avalanche played well. They did. They played well in this game. Vegas fought hard. Colorado fought hard. It was a good game, an evenly matched game between very good teams that I think should have gone to overtime. Uh, You put Grubauer in the net here. This game right now, as I speak, is currently in overtime or the Avalanche outright win. This was unbelievable. This was shocking to to watch the goals that Devin Dubnik lets into the net tonight. Ten seconds into the game. Ten seconds. The Avalanche have a puck get away from them. And William Carlson has some room on Devin Dubnik, but not a lot. He's not in the center of the ice. He's on his backhand moving behind the net, and he shovels it towards the net, and it beats Dubnik clean. Ten seconds into the game, Vegas goes ahead, and they stay ahead. Unbelievable. And that wasn't even the worst one. I wish it was. I wish that was the worst one. But it was the only one he let in in the first period. The Avalanche tie the game. Devon Tays his seventh goal of the season with just about six minutes to go in the first. And it looks like a solid game up to that point. I'd say the two were pretty even in the first period outside of the first 10 seconds. The Avalanche cannot stay out of the box in the first period. They take three penalties, two of them back-to-back. And they've managed to kill all of those off and still come out of that with a tie game after the first 20 minutes. I was impressed. It wasn't perfect, but when they were at even strength and even when they had some of their power plays, they looked good. They ended up with a 12 to 11 advantage in shots. And in the second period, they looked good again. They kind of took it to Vegas for a little bit. They got great possession time at five on five. And Vegas... Couldn't muster a shot for a while, but eventually they get a power play and a a shocking goal goes into the net. And this is the best goal, the most excusable goal that Devin Dubnik gave up tonight. Shea Theodore lets a shot go from the point. But the weird thing about this shot is that it never comes off of the ice. You know, and it it hits Max Pacioretty and it hits Devontae's. But it also hits it at the speed of, like, a bowling ball. You know, like, yeah, you know, it's moving. It's definitely moving. But if there's a bowling ball rolling at you, you can probably stop it. I'm sure you can react fast. No, it, it just goes right in. Never goes off of the ice and just goes right through Dubnik. And Vegas has a 2-1 to one lead. And about five minutes later, Puck goes behind the net. And Devin Dubnik just, he doesn't react. Even the puck is behind him. He knows it's behind him. He's looking for it. And he's he's still in his net. He's standing still. And Mark Stone, with plenty of time, sees, oh, the goalie's just doesn't know where the puck is. And he's just standing there. So what does Mark Stone, one of the best players in the NHL, do? He banks it off of Dubnik and into the net. And now it's 3-1 Vegas. You see what I'm getting at here? None of these goals are good. Ryan Graves gets his second goal of the season late in the second period to tie the game. Nathan McKinnon gets the assist to make it 15 straight games with a point. I can't believe I forgot to bring that up in part one of this episode. But now Nathan McKinnon has the longest, I believe, longest goal streak of the season at 15 points longer than anybody in the NHL, very quiet too, and I've I've heard of a few rumblings about it, but now he has the longest and not much. No one really seemed to hear anything about it. But that's where positives end in this game. We get to the third period, and the what should be the nail in the coffin in not just Devin Dubnik's tenure with the Avalanche, Devin Dubnik's career 
this is the worst effort I have ever seen from a goaltender in my entire life. And I'm not kidding. I'm not being overly dramatic. This sucks. I will try to describe it to the best of my ability because I don't know if I can do it justice. So we're less than a minute into the period. Avalanche don't score on their power play. Kadri takes a shot. It hits Mark Stone the leg. Two on one the other way for Vegas. Stone, Pacioretty, wide open net. Why does he have a wide open net? Well, because Devin Dubnik just completely shadows towards Mark Stone on this play. Even though Mark Stone shows no indication of shooting this puck, he is looking at Pacioretty the entire way. First of all, Dubnik is a mile out of his crease facing Stone, and when the puck gets through to Pacioretty, Dubnik doesn't even react to it. By the time the puck is in the net is the first time that Dubnik starts to make the slide the other way. This looked lazy. And even me saying that out loud doesn't do it justice as to just how bad this was. I encourage you to go and find that replay. Just find the highlight pack of this game. And if you watch nothing else, watch the fourth goal for the Golden Knights from Mark Stone. I'm sorry, from Pacioretty on the feed from Mark Stone. The worst effort I have ever seen from a goaltender. The worst. You know, we we dunked a lot on Hunter Miska during this season. He played very poorly in that. I will not deny that for a second, that Hunter Miska played poorly when he was the backup goaltender for the Avalanche. But I never, ever once questioned his effort. I don't think I have ever questioned the effort of a goaltender in my life. I don't think I've ever watched a goalie go into the net and have me react like, wow, he isn't trying. It looked like Devin Dubnik was not trying tonight. I have no I have no other words to describe it. If I don't I don't know what would be worse. I don't know if it'd be worse if he was trying, if that actually was him trying, or he wasn't. I can't decide which is worse because they're they're both equally embarrassing. If that's your best, if that's the best of your ability in as critical a game as this. His contract needs to be terminated tomorrow. On the contrary, if that's not his best and he's actually just being lazy, you don't you don't play him ever again. You don't. That's embarrassing. Even when Miska was in the net, and even that game against the Ducks where he allows four goals on six shots, I did not look at any of those and think to myself, wow. Hunter Miska just isn't trying. You know, the thing with Hunter Miska is that he's easily rattled. And the thing about being rattled is that you're under a lot of pressure. That means you want to do well. Hunter Miska came into the net every time and wanted to do well. That's why he got rattled so easily, because he cracked under the pressure of wanting to perform. Even Jonas Johansson, at times, he's not the best goalie in the world, not not by a long shot. Is he even a backup in the NHL? I don't know, but I like the guy. I think I think he's the second best goalie on the team right now. Pavel Francouz does not count. I don't think Devin Dubnik should ever start again. Even, like Grubauer is supposedly going to be back next game against the Sharks, and I assume we're gonna play him pretty heavily down the stretch just to get him back in shape for the playoffs. But if there's a game where uh, another goalie needs to come in, it should not be Devin Dubnik. It shouldn't. If Devin Dubnik plays another game for this team again, I I I, won't, I don't know what to say to Jared Bednar. I've I know I sound like a like I'm going through a lot right now, like I'm being very dramatic. I do not react this way to goalies. Goalies have bad nights. It happens. Sometimes you just show up to the rink and you're a step slow. We saw it with Grubauer in Minnesota, did we not? He let in eight goals, or maybe seven. I think JoJo let in one of them. Seven goals on, I believe, like 18 shots. He made like 11 saves. 
that night. One of the worst performances by a goalie this season in the league. But I didn't question his effort, his care. He just looked like he was struggling and just couldn't track the puck correctly. Devin Dubnik looked like he wasn't even trying. And he looked like he mentally and physically was unable to find where the pucks were, what was happening on the ice. I said a few episodes is that it looks like Devin Dubnik doesn't have a pulse when he's on the ice. And I didn't even really mean it as an insult. I meant it as like he reacts to every situation the exact same way, whether it's an outstanding scoring chance for the other team or a routine shot coming towards him at five miles an hour. He just, he just same stone cold face every single time, same level of intensity every single time. And that was very true tonight because he looked like he couldn't be bothered on a lot of these. The Avalanche either win or get a point out of this game if Philip Grubauer is in net. Now, I know that wasn't an option, but it's also the truth. The Avalanche played well. I know I'm spending a lot of time on Dubnik right now, and I need to give the team credit. I liked their performance tonight. I liked it. I thought they played well. They didn't play perfect. Obviously, they didn't play perfectly. They got the short end of the stick on a lot of bad luck, not even counting Devin Dubnik's play. This game should have been closer than 5-2, to two, even if you take away the empty netter and make it 4-2. to two. Tyson Jost should have gotten another one in the third period that just barely didn't go over the goal line and got swept off. Flurry played great in this game as well, like he always does. Then again, they hit a lot of posts. Nathan McKinnon looked like a man on a mission in the first period, and throughout this game, he looked like a monster. And you could tell they were really feeling not having some of these guys. This is the exact opposite of the Blues game that I talked about earlier in this episode. This game is one I look at and be like, even even just taking away Dubnik. Actually, no, not taking away Dubnik because it actually fits in perfectly here. This is a game that they win if they have their guys back. If Rantanen's in the lineup and Grubauer's in the lineup, even Donskoy, he, if he's in the lineup, the Avalanche are leaving Vegas right now with two points. That was not the case in St. Louis. It wouldn't have mattered who was playing. They didn't show up that night. In this game, the guy who didn't show up was the most important guy, the goalie. I, I can't even stress enough the shots that he let into that. It, it was shocking. Shocking. I, I couldn't believe my eyes seeing these pucks go into the net. Ten seconds into the game, a backhand from below the circles beat him clean. We never had a shot to get going. Yes, it was a mistake in the neutral zone. Gerard hesitated on the puck. Gerard had a very bad game, by the way. Gerard hesitates on this puck. He loses it for a split second, and William Carlson's right over. But it's not like Carlson had a clean one-on-one -on -one breakaway through the center of the ice. Gerard at least forced him as much as he could in his position to the outside. And Dubnik couldn't stop that. And it set the tone for the rest of the game. I don't know if that got in his head or not, but I don't really care. What The straw that broke the camel's back for me, I was already mad after the first three goals just the horrible goals those were. The fourth goal, I I don't even know what to say. You know, in any other situation, maybe that puck goes in every single time. Maybe it goes in on Grubauer because it's stone-feeding Pacioretty in a two-on-one. But Grubauer is at least over there. He reads the play and is trying to stop that shot. And if he gets beat clean, he gets beat clean. Devin Dubnik gave Max Pacioretty a wide-open net tonight for that fourth goal, and it was over from there. You could feel like, oh, okay, awesome, this game's over. Vegas is the best third-period team in the league, and the Avalanche all season have not completed a comeback in the third period. After that, it was curtains. If they let in one more goal in that third period, it was curtains, and it happened 55 seconds into the period. I wish I had more to say on this game other than Devin Dubnik was terrible. But I liked how the team played tonight. I thought they played well enough to get a win in this one. And now uh, you've got an uphill battle ahead of you. 
Like we talked about earlier in the episode, they have four games against the Sharks, four games against the Kings, and one game against the Golden Knights left. That's it. It's an easy schedule. Definitely, like, one of the easiest schedules in the league, but you are now six points behind Vegas, and you have one game in hand. So you've lost your points percentage advantage, and you pretty much have to win out. You have to win against Vegas at the end of the month. If not, then really nothing mattered at that point. And I think if even then, losing one of those games to San Jose and L.A., is, I don't think it's really an option. If it's an overtime, I might give it a pass, but you've I think you've got to end this season on a nine-game winning streak. Vegas now, with the win tonight, is on a ten-game winning streak. They annihilated all the bottom feeders in this division, hardly breaking a sweat, and they toasted Devin Dubnik tonight. Now, not to discredit their 10-game winning streak, to win 10 games in a row in the NHL is very impressive, should not take away from that at all. But now's our turn. Now we need to go on a 9-game winning streak. Now we need to get 18 of the next 18 and go into the playoffs hot. You are getting your guys back next game. You're getting Rantanen back. Grubauer should be playing next game, and Donskoy should be back as well. You're still going to be without Saad and McDonald and Byram and Logan O'Connor, but your big guns are back, and you should toast the Sharks four straight times. It's four straight games against the Sharks. We're going to get to know them pretty well at the end of the season. they got nothing to play for. They're done. They're done. So you got no I'd say you have no excuse not to win all four of those games. And then you got a back-to-back against the Kings. Then you have your big game, your magnum opus, Monday, May 10th against the Golden Knights in Vegas, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, and you finish your season with a back-to-back at home against the Kings. So looking at it right now, well, I should mention that I said that Minnesota was up 3-1 on the Blues. Uh they choked they completely choked that game. St. Louis Blues win 4-3 to in regulation. They score the winner from Robert Thomas with about 20 seconds left. So the Avalanche get bailed out there. They stay ahead of Minnesota for the time being, and I think they will stay ahead of Minnesota for the rest of the season, considering Minnesota has some tougher games left. Let me see if I can find their strength of schedule. Where are they? Okay. Well... Well, it's, it's kind of tough. They have two games against Vegas and four games against the Blues. Three games against the Blues left. It has not updated yet. No, that is right, because ours updated. We have one game against... So they have four games against the Blues left. So they'll... I The Blues obviously beat them tonight. I think they'll beat them some of those other times. Those Vegas games should be interesting. If they're... If Vegas runs through Minnesota, uh, they they're, they're locking up the division. It's kind of over. If they win both those games against Minnesota, we don't have a prayer. Minnesota's our best shot at winning the West, ironically enough, because they own Vegas. and like They've owned them since their inception. I think that Vegas, I believe, has won one game in Minnesota in their history, and I'm not sure if these games are in Minnesota or not. I will quickly, quickly, quickly check that. I'm pretty sure they're in Minnesota. So just going off of history, let's say Minnesota wins both those games. I don't know where that leaves us now. The Avalanche, they should be winning their games. I mean, you can't worry about it at this point. You have one game left to control your own destiny, and that's against Vegas. You got to take care of business against the bottom feeders and take care of the team ahead of you. But I think as of right now, we shouldn't anticipate Vegas slowing down. They're hot. I think maybe they split against uh, Minnesota, and they have two games against the Blues after that. I, I'll just assume they split those two. And then they can have three wins against the Sharks, and they have two more games against Coyotes. So that'll be three easy wins for them. I think at this point, it's not unfair to say that the Avalanche might be playing Minnesota round one. And, you know, maybe some people would prefer that. I want the Blues in the first round. I'm not stoked about Minnesota. I'm not going to complain. I don't care who they play in the first round. You should beat whoever's put in front of you. That's always my philosophy with the playoffs. Like one discussion I can't stand in like hockey forums is, oh, I'd prefer to play this team in the playoffs. Like I, 
it makes sense under one instance, like when you literally cannot beat a certain team just for whatever reason. That is the only time it makes sense. In any other instance, you need to beat whoever's put in front of you. You can't be picking and choosing because I'm yeah, everyone would want to play Arizona. Like I don't I don't want easy opponents and Arizona's not going to make it. They're terrible. They're 2 and 8 in their last 10. That's over. St. Louis is in. They're making the playoffs. That discussion is over. They're getting hot now. They're in. They're going to be the 4th seed and if Colorado can win out the rest of the way and get Vegas to drop off a little bit, then they'll play St. Louis. If they struggle down the stretch, they lose it even two games against the Sharks and Kings and lose against Vegas, even if they beat Vegas at that point. I don't know if like losing two of these games is going to be enough to pass them. So I think the odds are we're going to be meeting Minnesota in the first round. And you know what? Good. That's a fun series. That's a very, very fun series. And also, you're setting up Vegas to play St. Louis. You're going to have the Alex Petrangelo rematch in the first round. Just from a hockey standpoint, that's a lot of fun. I would love to see that matchup. But just... And I can't get over Devin. I can't get over Devin Dubnik tonight. I can't get over it. That was the worst performance I have seen from a goalie in my life. I was embarrassing. Like, just the... The la- like, I don't know if it's effort or just like a lack of brain power, but like, you have got to be kidding me. And like, it finishes with an 840 save percentage. Like, that's generous. That is generous for the performance he put up tonight. I don't, I don't think I've ever been this like steaming mad at a goalie in my life. Like, I've seen bad performances from goalies and been upset about them, but like, even then, deep down, I understood, like, it happens. You just, you have a bad game. You're a human being. This was not that. This was just bad. Just bad all around from, just from someone who should have been ready to play and someone we spent assets for for this exact situation where we'd have to play him in a game like this where Grubauer's not available. And I'll say it again, the Avalanche win this game with Grubauer in net. They do. Maybe it's 2-2 going to overtime. Maybe they lose in overtime, but they get a point out of it. Devin Dubnik cost them a lot tonight, and I, I can't in good faith ever recommend that he goes back in net again. I would rather have Jonas Johansson play every game that Grubauer does not play for the rest of the season. And if it ever gets to the point where Grubauer is not playing in the playoffs, I will say it right now, I will prefer Jonas Johansson in net. Because if this is what we're going to get from Devin Dubnik in what was, to this point, the biggest game of the season, why, why in God's name, would I want him in a playoff game? If, let, like, let's say the, like, the disaster strikes. Worst case scenario, Grubauer has to miss the rest of the playoffs because of whatever. You're telling me you want to ride Devin Dubnik after seeing what he did tonight? Just the lack of reaction time, the lack of awareness... And my concern, the lack of effort, you want that in a playoff game? That's the, that's the guy you're going to pin your hopes and dreams on? I would rather give it to a scrappy 25-year-old who has something to prove in this league. At least he feels like he has something to play for. My God, I would much rather pin my championship hopes on an underdog story like JoJo, not Devin Dubnik. I did my best to warm myself up to this trade. I even liked it for a few games. He won some games in St. Louis. Now I am back to where I was before. I am over this guy. That sucked. This trade sucked. I don't want to see this guy in net again. That was humiliating and embarrassing. And you as an organization need to have enough self-respect to not allow this guy in net again. And I'm being completely serious. It was that bad. It was that bad. Dubnik was the worst starting goalie in the NHL last season with Minnesota for a reason. There's a reason that the Wild are now one of the better teams in the NHL, at least in terms of points. We'll see how they actually stack up in the playoffs. But there's a reason the Wild are much more improved this season, and that is the subtraction of Devin Dubnik and the addition of of Cam Talbot and Kapo Kakinen 
but mainly Cam Talbot, who has been a monster for the Wild. He is the main reason they are as good as they are. It's not Kirill. A lot of people think it's Kaprizov. It is Cam Talbot. He is the most underrated goalie in the league this season. And maybe I'm being dramatic here, but I'd give him I'd give him at least some consideration for the Norse. Not going in far enough to say that Talbot should win it, but I'm saying if I'm writing a top five for this season, I might have him on there. Maybe as like the fifth, but I, I, you got to give him a little credit this season. He's been spectacular for the Wild this year. And having him instead of Devin Dubnik has made a world of difference. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov has been great, but he has, he has 41 points. I mean, in, in a normal season, that's not even 82 points. It's not even 80 points. Like, I can try to do the math real quick. I'm not even, I'm not doing the math with that. That's too much. That's, that's more brain power than I have right now at midnight. But the Wild are not like this crazy, like, scoring team where they have a bunch of people breaking out. Like, Kaprizov's their only guy with 20-plus goals. Like, Kevin Fiala, Joel Erickson Eck, Matt Zuccarello, Marcus Felino. Like, this is not like a high-powered roster. They're being carried by their goaltending. Maybe not carried, but like supported by their elite goaltending this season. And this is why the Wild were as bad as they were the last two years. I thought they needed an overhaul. All they needed was a goalie. And we just saw how badly Minnesota needed a goalie because now we understand just what they've been going through. Now, there, there are times, like, I say things, and I'm like, ooh, that's an overreaction. I'm going to regret that tomorrow or when this goes up. But I don't feel that about this with Dubnik. I don't. I watched what I watched tonight, and I'm not alone in it. That is awful. He's the puck's in the net before he's starting to slide over on that fourth goal, and the game was over after that. Or you can just say the game was over after he lets in a goal 10 seconds into the game. Wasn't a breakaway. Wasn't a quality scoring chance. It was a backhand that he had plenty of time to react to, and he missed it. And it's a shame, because like I said, the Avalanche played well. They deserved a better fate in this game. And I I really don't have many more critiques other than stay out of the goddamn penalty box. Please stay out of the box. They took four penalties in this game, and like I said, three in the first period. Was it four? I have to double-check that, but yeah. They took four penalties in this game, three in the first period. They didn't get scored on any of them. The one they got scored on was that horrible goal that was officially credited to Max Pacioretty that Dubnik should stop. Yes, it got deflected. Yes, it got bounced around. Okay, I'll give him a break on that, but the puck never left the ice. I'm sorry, you can't call yourself a professional goalie if a puck is shot from the wall at the blue line, never leaves the ice, and it goes in the net. Never goes on edge, doesn't bounce, it just goes off a few things. And it's not like they were right in front of him, they were to his right. Pacioretty's on the side of the goal, and yes, it hit Taze, but you need to be, like, you have to, you have to see that that puck is going towards Taze, and the only way that it goes in the net is if it goes off of him. As a goalie, that's what you gotta pay attention to. So I just don't understand, you know, and it's it's a shame because, like I said, Minnesota lost. They blew that game against St. Louis. We could have put some distance between us and them. So now that it looks like we're going to ultimately play them in the first round, now we've got a battle for home ice. And I'm very, very confident that we'll win that battle because we have a better schedule against easier teams. But it's it's a battle nonetheless. It's not a, it's not a zero percent chance that the Avalanche start the playoffs on the road against Minnesota. It can happen. Minnesota's solid, like we were talking about. They're seven two and one in their last ten, and they've played Vegas well. They can win those games too. It's a double edged sword when Vegas plays Minnesota. If Vegas wins, then we're probably not going to catch them. If Minnesota wins, we've got to take care of business ourselves, and even then, that's just going to barely hold them off. So. We're not done here. We've got work to do the rest of the season. One, it take All it took was one three-game losing streak to lose our hold on this division almost entirely. I mean, Vegas is at a 750 points percentage. That's kind of dumb. 
They're, they're, they're a good team. They're a very solid, good hockey team, and they deserve a ton of credit for how well they played tonight. Absolutely. Very good team. They deserve a ton of credit. And they're, they're Stanley Cup contenders, just like we are. If it's not us making it out of the West, it's going to be Vegas. I don't think Minnesota or St. Louis is taking them down. Even as, even as well as Minnesota's played in Vegas and Vegas in Minnesota over the years, they've beaten them a lot. Playoffs are a whole different animal. Vegas, I believe, will find a way to step it up. So, very good team. They deserve a lot of credit. They played well, and they took advantage of some very shoddy goaltending. But credit to them nonetheless. It's just, it was just a shame in this one because the Avalanche, what I wanted to see from them was an honest effort, and I believe that they gave that to me. I really, I really believe they showed up with an honest effort to win this game, and they were let down by one guy. And not to, even not to mention, I've mentioned Flurry in this game, but holy mother of God, what a mismatch in net for Devin Dubnik to be taking on Mark Andre Flurry in this game. Flurry wasn't like like God killer Flurry like he's been against the Avalanche at times this season. He lets in two, but still played very well, stopped every puck that he needed, and just a complete mismatch in this game. Their goalie was better. They had a better goalie, and they won the game. Honestly, like, that's that's the only takeaway you need to take away from this game. The second one would be that the Avalanche were missing some key players, and they're going to get some of those guys back as well next game. Honestly, that's really it. I mean, we can look at some of the other stuff. Nazem Kadri, I wanted to talk about this last episode, but I just completely forgot. Kadri is on the slump of a lifetime right now. He has been bad. He has gone without a goal for 17 games now. And it's not just that. He is fighting the puck. He is fighting himself, and he is putting himself in the box. He's just hes just not doing his job. Like, I don't, I don't know what the solution is with that. They're, like, if this continues into the playoffs, we are screwed because there is nowhere to hide in the playoffs. If your second-line center isn't there, we are screwed. Actually, I think I did talk about this last episode, but it's magnified now. 17 games without a goal, and I believe like three points in that stretch. It's not good enough. Penalty after penalty, and they're not good penalties. Either. They're dumb penalties. And it, like maybe if he gets one, he breaks this slump. But I don't know. It's it's going to take more than that, in my opinion. You just need you just need more from him. If this keeps into the playoffs, it's going to cost it. It's costing us now. We could really use some cadre goals recently. They might have helped a lot in these last few losses just to get even one. And you suffer in the standings because of it. And if this continues into the playoffs, Vegas, St. Louis, or Minnesota, whoever gets to them first, will torch them because of it. And it will have to be kind of like it was in... 2018 and 2019 where the top line has to carry the load and they don't have a second line center who can like shoulder the burden honestly i think you once you get some of your wingers back you put tyson jost at second line center i think you i think you keep it that way and honestly the the combination of jost and shushkin is excellent i love these guys together never break them up Honestly, you put Jost and Nichushkin together. You have your all right, top line is your top line. Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. Second line is Nichushkin, Jost, Burakovsky. Third line is Kadri, Soderberg, and Kompfer, maybe. I don't love that line. Oh, by the way, Carl Soderberg, his first point since the trade. He gets the assist on the Devontae's goal. I said earlier I hadn't seen anything he'd done. He'd, Got some nice digging in front of the net and got, was able to get it over for Taze for him to roof it to tie the game. Had a solid game in this one. I liked Soderberg in this one. I actually noticed him here. But anyway, getting back to it. Third line, Soderberg, Kadri, and Kompfer, I believe. And fourth line, it's just, it's a blender at this point. Liam O'Brien's done. Where we are done here with Liam O'Brien. This fun little game that 
we've been playing with having this guy up here for the last 12 games is done. Stop with Liam O'Brien. And I like Liam O'Brien. Like, I'm a Caps fan by heart, and by that extension, I like the Hershey Bears. He was their guy for a long time. Big tuna. Can't have him in the NHL anymore. He's not good enough. He can't do it. So, like, just anyone else. Give someone else a chance. Send him down to the Eagles, the Colorado Eagles, and just get someone else here. I can't look at this guy anymore. He's not an NHL player. Stop putting him in. I can't take it anymore with him. Uh, Martin Kaut, like, I don't know if he did anything. Like, if you, like, if you didn't, if I wasn't looking at this right now, I wouldn't know that Martin Kaut played tonight. You know, he's 21, doesn't have a ton of upside. It was kind of a safe pick when they picked him back in 2018, but he didn't really do much of anything tonight. I think he played, like, five minutes. I mean... In fairness, you're not going to do anything with five minutes of ice time. If you're going to bring up Martin Kaut, play him. Like, just five minutes is not enough ice time. But, like, if he's not going to do anything, then I guess you can't play him. But, man, just the fourth line doesn't look good right now. Belmar took a stupid penalty in the first period, too. They had to kill off a five-on-three. So, I don't know. Logan O'Connor, like like I said, suffered a, a, a setback somehow. I don't know how that works again. So I don't know if the fourth line's getting any injections anytime soon other than guys being bumped down with the return of Rantanen and Donskoy. I totally forgot about Donskoy in my line combinations. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about Donskoy. Okay, I still like the top six the way it is. Jost, Burakovsky, Nachushkin on your second line. Third line... I would have it as probably still Soderberg and then Comfer and who am I missing? Donskoy, obviously. Who did I just move out? I'm still looking at Sherwood on the third line. I'm totally I'm totally blanking on myself right now. I'm missing Kadri. That's who I'm totally forgetting. Okay. So you have Soderberg, Kadri, and Donskoy. I, to- I totally forgot about Kadri. Okay. Now my brain's working. So then... You put Comfort down on the fourth line. That already looks better. You take Liam O'Brien out, and I'd give Martin Cowd another chance. He's better than Liam O'Brien. I don't know who else you're bringing in at this point. Like, is like, what's it gonna? Is it gonna be Mika Salamaki? Is he like gonna fix anything? No, he's not. Like, you're not calling up Alex Newhook. He's torching it in the AHL right now. Sheldon Drees. I, 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 I'm not that desperate. So. It's a rough loss, as you can probably tell by how I'm reacting to it. This was a rough loss for the Avalanche, specifically because they did not play poorly in this game. This this was Devin Dubnik's fault, plain and simple. Is they had a better goalie. Flurry was better than Dubnik, and I I think if you put a wet piece of cardboard in net for Vegas, it would have been a better goalie than Devin Dubnik was tonight. I hate being this harsh on someone, but for God's sake, make a save do like what do you what do you get paid for you get paid to make saves and you didn't do it it's it's that simple i don't want to rip on a guy this much i don't feel good doing it i like i'm not like getting some kind of kick out of ripping on martin jones and calling him a bum but f- like fuck's sake man that was awful that was one of the worst performances i've ever seen so i it's it's a rough loss. Uh, for people who are interested, they outshot Vegas 37-26 in this game. And, you know, and even seeing some of these quotes right now, like Devontae saying, oh, we're having a little lapses. Like, you create your own bounces. Like, they got a few. We weren't able to get any. Like, I don't think this game's any more difficult than Marc-Andre Fleury played good and Devin Dubnik played horrifically. Honestly, don't think you even need to go that much deeper than that. Yeah, there's other things that could have helped in this game. Yeah, they could have had it tied 4-4 if they did some other things. Like, whatever. Grubauer plays, they win the game tonight. And that's my firm opinion. So now they got an uphill battle the rest of the season. They got the Sharks on Friday and Sunday. Or no, 
it's a bet this i always get confused by this because the the april calendar ends okay so it's friday and saturday they have the sharks because it's a back-to-back but the the calendar cuts off on the 30th so i just look at it as two separate days the 30th of april and the first of march they have games against the sharks so we'll have that to talk about next episode if i if any of those are losses i might blow a gasket so fair warning for that but i think i've said enough about this game and i think that's going to do it for this edition of the teledabs is podcast thank you so much for listening to my babbling the ramblings of a madman i appreciate it all so much thank you for listening all the way to this point how far in are we now we're at one hour and five minutes and about 30 seconds so if you listen this far in you are a saint (laughs) thank you for putting up with me i have been your host griffin youngs thank you so much for tuning in follow me on twitter at g youngs nhl and follow the show at tell it as it is thank you once again so much for tuning in And I will talk to you guys after these two games against the San Jose Sharks. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday.